Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers, welcome back to another great freaking hilarious freaking episode of Freaking Our Week in Review on WAYOLP Freaking Rochester, also on Apple Freaking Podcast, Freaking Spotify, and Freaking SoundCloud if anybody freaking likes to know. Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers, my name is Taylor the Freaking Mossman Lofton, and with me as always to my left is Freaking Doug the Slug Freaking Jordan, and then Freaking Tadia Risher bringing up the rear all via Satellite Freaking New York, the great satellite in the sky. Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers, and the freaking panel start your freaking engines. This is our weekend freaking review. Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers. It has been one week for some, two week for most since we last spoke. Often I find myself. Sheltering from an explosion of thought. Ideas flashing in front of my eyes. Like the great sands of time. I see Sir Isaac Newton playing with an apple in his freaking rear, to be honest with you. And then I see Amelia Earhart going down into a great ball of fire only to be saved by some crabs who then end up eating her alive. These ideas are vast, unending. And yet today, I find myself void of the great vastness of ideas. I feel as though a nozzle on some wild, terrible, forgotten beast. And that nodule is unable to move, unable to roam around the body of the beast, situated just above the beast's great rear end, below the tail. And though this beast is wrecking havoc, laying waste to all that come before it, I am but a nodule above the rear end of the great beast to lie in witness and to wait. For Uyghurs and Tweakers, what I am talking about is we have been canceled, banished. Our great radio show on the greatest, wow, God damn, the worst radio station in the history of the world, W-A-Y-O-L-G-B-T-Q, Rochester. Our radio show was canceled for one week. And Doug the Slug Jordan, freaking Tadia, freaking Risher, myself, we all said freaking Sandy the Sandman Vargas was being paranoid about his cancellation, was overreaching, was being absurd, and yet... Sandy the Sandman Fargus couldn't have been more right because we got canceled for things we said in previous episodes that we cannot say now. And we cannot tell you to go back and listen to those episodes on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on the now defunct Google Play, or SoundCloud. But those answers lie in that hidden episode that will never be aired. And the episode before it that got us canceled. 
This might be our darkest hour. But it is true what they say. It is always darkest before the dawn. Doug the Slug Jordan, thoughts now, please. Uh, I think that's a pretty good point. It is, it is always darkest before the dawn. Uh, we have been canceled before. Uh, one time I ate chips in the radio station, and they, they, they canceled us for that. So um, I think we'll get over this one like we got over that one back then. So hopefully uh, here's to uh, brighter, uh, greater pasture, greener pastures. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Teddy Risher and... Uh, I'm hoping that you share the same positivity that Doug Jordan, but is it possible that our days here at WAYO LGBTQ Rochester's are numbered? Well, you know, I'd like to sit here and say that I have the same optimism as my my cohort and friend Doug Jordan here. Uh, however, I, I have to say that um, we have had a target on our back ever since Doug ate Doritos in the middle of a radio show and got us freaking suspended. We've been labeled the freaking bad boys of way out. And, um, I just think that, you know, we, we've always walked a little line here at, uh, our week in review, whether it's eating potato chips or, um, well, I guess that's really the only thing that we've, we've done. And then saying some things that the brass didn't freaking like. Um, yeah. so, so, um, am I optimistic? Yes. Do I think our, uh, days at Wayo are numbered? Yes. Well, geez, Louise down in my knees, the person that I would like to hear most from in this moment of great struggle and strife is Sandy, the Sandman Farkas. And before we get into our week, we need to discuss the absence of Sandy, the Sandman Farkas, who has been in isolation since Thanksgiving and he hasn't come out of the garage. Hold up. He is locked away in a cold, dark garage with only a space heater, several space heaters to keep him warm, lying in wait for justice to rear. It's hopefully beautiful, but sometimes very ugly head. And say, this is not right what has been done to him. Doug Jordan, can you speak a bit on his behalf, on the circumstances that Sandy is in, and perhaps a way out of that dark tunnel he is trapped inside? Uh, Well, you know, he is inside a dark uh, tunnel, though there is uh, lights in the garage that he could turn on easily if he wanted to. But I think he likes to sit in the darkness with just the glow of the space heater that's illuminating him. Um he's in a tough spot. You know, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty hurt. He's pretty upset. He did in his mind, he did no, uh, no wrong. And, uh, hopefully he can make this out and go on to, um, to, uh, to a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, geez, Louise down on my knees. I wonder if instead of talking about our week as we always do, and as we always should do, and we probably always will somehow, Instead of doing that specifically, specifically, can we lead Weakers and Tweakers up to this moment? Now, we record our episodes on a Monday Eve, most Monday Eves. We recorded this great Thanksgiving special, now unplayed to the masses at WAYOLGBTQ. 
During that broadcast, we discovered, of course, Doug Jordan was dealing with some plumbing issues, putting his house out of commission for the great Thanksgiving extravaganza he was planning for his family, for Sandy Farkas, for Tadia Risher, for myself. And in his graciousness, offered up the humble Ortego Grill as a meeting place for the very first annual Doug Nason Thanksgiving holiday food extravaganza which we mentioned, of course, during that taping. And yet, that episode would not air, as fate would have it, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving as it was supposed to, due to circumstances, I believe, completely out of our control. Having said that, and because of that, no one showed up to the extravaganza. No weakers, no tweakers, and God bless them, unfortunately, no mayo tarts. Though I did get word that some of them are still on their way. I said, geez, Louise, down on my knees. Thanksgiving was a goddamn week ago. So, Yeah, and we did have several of them lining up outside the Ortego Grill on Black Friday um, waiting to get in. And we had to turn many of them around and tell them, no, that was yesterday. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how they would have even freaking heard it because we didn't even do the show so obviously it is a simulcast it's available as a podcast also as a radio show it is a freaking radio show now the thanksgiving that we had was very intimate i'm sure doug jordan could say that because the guest list was sparse and yet it might have been exactly the reprieve that we needed without knowing how much we needed it doug jordan to speak a little bit about what was served and the verve of this Thanksgiving extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot smaller than we had anticipated, so I prepped all this extra food for uh, nothing. Uh, so we had quite a feast. Um, I, You know, we talked about this on the unaired episode, but, you know, just to reiterate, I we decided to move it to the Ortego Grill because we couldn't do it at my house, and I had already prepped uh, things for the winter menu, so it was kind of a tasting of the winter menu. Uh, there at the Ortego Grill. So I had things like, uh, you know, Thanksgiving burrito. Uh, I had um, pizza logs, uh, but they were Thanksgiving themed because I kind of arranged them in kind of a pyramid shape. So that made them uh, a little bit more festive. And, um, you know, we had we had rolls uh, and butter. Smoked turkey. There was a green bean casserole, yeah. a green bean enchilada casserole. So, uh, yeah, you know, the guest list ended up being sparse. It was me, uh, my wife, my son, uh, Sandy, and then uh, Tadia and his uh, his father were there. And uh, Taylor and Marvel Givens showed up. And even Mr. Wang showed up for a little bit uh, and brought us over some uh, Crab Rangoon. Though he didn't know about the the uh, Doug Nation event. I think he was just working because he doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. So he just came in, had had a glass of whiskey and said hi and brought us some crab rangoon. Yeah, so that was nice. That was a bright spot. You're absolutely right. <laughs> now, the food, though bizarre <clears throat> and unorthodox, stuffing rice and beans inside of a turkey and then smoking it for 12 hours is not that bad. I got to say, I'm impressed with what you did the thanksgiving burrito was disgusting in kind of a delicious way and speaking of something that was kind of disgusting in a delicious way tadia risher can you explain 
kind of the relationship that has developed between your you and your father for Uyghurs and Uyghurs who might not have heard. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, thank you for the blessing. And I'm very horny. Um, so my father, uh, as Uyghurs and Uyghurs friggin' may or may not know, um, had a stroke uh, after my mother left him um, for another man. And uh, he has been, he's a bit of a friggin' well, I guess a vegetable is sort of the the kind way of putting it um he can't really communicate other than blinks with his eyes and uh he's confined to a wheelchair and i have taken on the responsibility of full-time caretaker which is a thankless job it doesn't pay me any money um sometimes it's absolutely hilarious and sometimes like taylor said it's disgusting um it's a lot of diaper changing a lot of feeding um which you know hilarious and disgusting as the food was at thanksgiving um it was mushy and that was easy to feed my father so doug thank you um i'm uh i'm out of the the, the bunker now which is great but i feel like i'm in a different kind of bunker well it's um, it's it's funny that you mention that he's a vegetable because sort of the way that you broke it to us was you said in our group text about thanksgiving you said oh and i'm gonna bring a vegetable and everybody yeah. thought that you meant a dish to pass. And then you showed up with an old man who is the victim of a stroke. Yeah. It wasn't so we, odd situation to put us all in in that moment. Yeah. And I apologize because when I sent that, I was pretty high. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, I, my father is a vegetable and that's really what I meant. And it was because I couldn't really bring him. I couldn't leave him there because, you know, He'll friggin' rot in the house without me, as vegetables tend to do. And friggin', you know, I apologize that we didn't have extra vegetables to pass around, but, um, you know, it was a weird Thanksgiving for me, and I appreciate everyone's patience, and I'm very horny. I am confused now. I can't, I am envisioning you bringing a bunch of mobility stricken stroke victims to pass around for people at dinner. To sit with. Yeah. I'm confused as to what we're, whether we're talking about something you eat or a person. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely freaking hilarious. So God bless you for being there. God bless your poor old father. And really it made it an interesting experience for all of us. And I think it, what brought it home was the fact that we could say sitting around the table, does anybody have anything to be thankful for? And I'm pretty sure everybody's hand shot up because they looked at Mr. Risher and they thought, well, geez, Louise down on my knees. Yeah, I got something to be thankful for. I don't have to dig deep into my pockets for one of those gems. You know, I just say I can speak. I can use my hands and legs. I can go to the bathroom without assistance most of the time. Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty good. So, yeah. yeah, good perspective. Now, Sandy the Sandman Farkas showed up drunker than usual and more hangdog than I have ever seen him. A shell of what I know Sandy the Sandman Farkas to be. And he took one bite of that burrito and I just saw the color drain from his face. And I don't know if it was the contents of that burrito, Doug Jordan, or the contents of his mind, his heart, and his soul. But part of me thinks it had something to do with that burrito. Yeah, I think it was probably the contents of his heart and soul. I think the burrito was perfectly fine. 
but that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, I thought the bur- burrito was good. To be honest, I'm telling you right now, I thought it was good. I don't think most people would think it was good. I did not think it was good. Well, I mean, you know, you're you guys are kind of a tough audience, so you know, one out of three is not that bad. Well. I should make mention Marvel Givens stopped by and sat with me for the Thanksgiving feast and was very somber and very withdrawn. I found him less rageful, although he made terrible eyes at times at Tady Risher, who once had a an actual he had been hired to kill Tadia by Doug Jordan accidentally. So that was odd, but. Other than that, pretty pretty normal, kind of just withdrawn. And then as the evening wore on, we were gathering before dessert around the bar for mudslides and pina coladas, pilates, pina coladas, and geez, Louise down on my knees. He showed me a small pendant that hangs at the end of his necklace. And I said, oh, that's beautiful, Marvel Gibbons. Where did you ever get it? And then he divulged to me that inside that pendant held the ashes of the octagon's eye. Now, the octagon was a great beast of a man, now a cyclops, who was an aide at the group home where I was remitted to. And the octagon and Marvel Givens had a great fight. And Marvel Givens won. Marvel Givens tore the eyeball out of his head. And I guess he carries with him the ashes in a pendant on his neck. I thought I should mention that because it was unusual. Now, I should make mention that sometimes Marvel Given and the Octagon work together, but it's sort of a BDSM master-slave sexual kind of relationship, maybe without the sexual element to it. Very unusual, again. But... Jeez Louise, down on my knees. It was a joyous occasion. I only wish that Sandy the Sandman Farkas could find a way to harness the joy of this great celebration, to rise up from the depths, and to remove himself from isolation. Doug Jordan, the contact that you have had with him, obviously you are bringing him his meals. Yep. Can you describe for Uyghurs and Tweakers out there what his state is? Because he has been mostly incommunicado with me. Um, you know, I think he's probably, well, he's, he's definitely in the garage and I only hear, you know, a little bit of banging around every now and then. Um, so I think what he's probably doing is drinking himself sick with all the stocked up bottles of brown he's got in there, probably going to the bathroom in jars and stashing them around the freaking garage. He's going to blame it on me. But I think, you know, aside from that, he's probably just under the bed, hiding, hiding under the bed in the dark, freaking drinking bottles of brown all day. Yeah. He did send me a sliver of hope, a shimmering sliver saying something to the effect of, I'm coming up with something big for Christmas, a way to give back. An ominous, almost meaningless thing to say. But I know where it's coming from is a place of great meaning. Tady Richard, any speculation on what Sandy the Sandman Farkas might have in store for Weakers, Tweakers, Thrill Seekers, and the panel? Um, no. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I really don't. Yeah. 
Well, God bless him. God bless everyone here for being here. And God bless Weakers and Tweakers. Weakers, Tweakers, Thrill Freaking Seekers, we got a great freaking show for you. But before we move on to our week's news and discussions, we have a quick segment to get to you now. Taylor's Thought Desk. When I was eight years old, I was obsessed with He-Man. I would dress up like the wax-chested hero almost every day, regardless of the weather conditions, and trounce around proudly in homemade attire. To complete the look, I wore red boots, wristbands dyed pink with red food coloring, a tank top with a red cross john on in marker, and of course, red jockey underwear. For a sword, I carried my mother's short-handled garden spade. Much to my dismay, my mother forbade me from dyeing my hair golden brown like my Masters of the Universe hero. But once fully adorned in my makeshift uniform, I would stand and marvel at my figure in my parents' bathroom mirror. To the other children on my street, I was thought a coward, always rushing home early for dinner whenever a whiff of danger hit the air. If a game of tag became too rough or a snowball fight broke out, I would use a lightly veiled excuse to duck out early. I was chided for my weakness by the roaming boys and girls of my cul-de-sac, and for this reason, I sought comfort in comic book heroes none of whom struck my boy's fancy more than Prince Adam of Eternia, son of King Randor. Much to the humiliation of my father and the indifference of my mother, I would often refuse to leave the house in anything other than my favorite superhero garb. On a particularly cold winter day, clothed as He-Man, I went out into the elements to check the neighborhood mailboxes for letters and packages, something I did regularly as a child. After discovering that the mail had not yet arrived, I decided to peek in one or two of the green trash toters situated next to the mailbox at the end of my neighbor's driveway. While digging through tightly wrapped bags of interred refuse, I heard the distinct rumbling of the garbage collector's truck rounding the bend of my neighborhood drive. Looking up from my rummaging, I saw Jerry the garbage man, fists clenched, knuckles white behind the wheel of his paramilitary trash rover. Jerry was known around town for his hot temper. On his weekly rounds, he would speed through the neighborhood, cursing to himself loudly. He was older than my parents, within the ballpark of 60, this much I know. He wore a yellow reflective vest atop canvas coverall work bibs. His round face was tanned and wrinkled, and he never smiled. I was terrified of him, and even more worrisome, the notion of being caught rummaging through garbage, his rightful property, caused me to shank violently. I quickly scaled the mailbox and climbed inside the green toter, shutting the lid so as not to be discovered. There I hid, trembling with fear. I huddled among the torn bags of cold garbage and listened for the approaching truck. Each nearing stop was announced by the hiss of the air brake, followed by Jerry's muffled curses and the shuffling of his boots, and finally a whirring of the trash compactor. As the repetition of sound grew louder, my fear of discovery expanded. Terror pulsed violently from my innards. I desperately clawed toward the belly of the toter, tearing at swollen trash bags like a fleeing rodent in an effort to escape the terrible wrath of Jerry the Garbage Man. 
and I continued to rip frantically through garbage-filled bags until I reached something very cold, very slippery, and very wet. The footsteps and the curses were now close, and I decided to play possum in a trash can. I lay frozen in cold trash as Jerry approached the very toter that I was stowed in. In a single motion, I felt Jerry tow the bottom of the wheeled container forward while simultaneously tilting the lidded top backwards. I sloshed to the listed side of the toter and heard Jerry groan and curse when he felt the shifting weight. It dawned on me then that a trash receptacle was an imperfect place to hide from a garbage man. Each pothole on the road beneath felt like artillery concussions inside the toter, and my mind raced frantically for a solution. I had been warned many times about the dangers of playing in trash compactors by my father, and I was aware that the moment when I was to be heaved, along with the clawed and dismembered bags of refuse, into the belly of the worrying beast was soon arriving. As I jostled inside the toter, I felt a sharp pain in my side and reached to locate the foreign object. In the blackness of the trash compactor, my hand clasped a short but firm metal blade. Instantly, I recognized the contours of the stamped steel, the smoothness of the wooden handle. It was my mother's garden spade. Clutching the blade, I thought of my brave hero, Prince Adam of Eternia, son of King Randor, ruler of the Kingdom of Eternia. I felt the toter stop for a moment and then shift suddenly, likely orienting the receptacle's opening with the great mouth of the trash compactor. Jerry's rear-loading garbage truck was not outfitted with the hydraulic lifting mechanisms seen on more modern disposals, so he was forced to physically lift the toters over the lip of the rear of the truck at each stop, an act that always seemed to cause him much consternation. I knew this because I had watched him do it many times during breaks from school, six days, and such. Were I to make an escape, this would be my last chance. Cradling the blade to my chest with both hands, I closed my eyes and whispered the transformative words of He-Man. By the power of Grayskull, I softly lipped. In an instant, light poured into the opening of the toter and my shuttered eyelids glowed pink inside my head. I leapt forth from the waste-filled depths, and standing atop the garbage with my sword raised above my head, I shouted, I have the power! I heard a gasp of breath and a shuffling step, and I opened my eyes to see Jerry frozen in disbelief, his eyes black and bulging, mouth agape. Oh my God, he uttered, and then clutched both hands to his spasming chest. And I too stood paralyzed, hands folded around the raised garden tool, unable to comprehend the power I had unleashed upon my captor and nemesis. In his eyes, I saw the horror of defeat. His mouth struggled to produce any words. Choking on tight sips of breath, Jerry attempted a step backwards, but crumpled under the weight of the blow, the power of Grayskull. Falling to his knees, he choked on a few more short breaths before collapsing on his round, vested belly. I stood there in the cold mid-afternoon air, unable to move from my defensive position. I stared at Jerry's fallen body. In triumph, my breath was heavy and deep, producing clouds of vapor that rose past my eyes before vanishing above my head. For a moment, I basked in the cold victory, 
Felt the surging power traveling from my chest up my arms and refiguring at the tip of my sword. I felt the gentle, congratulatory air tickle my naked shoulders and whisper, attaboy, around the helix of my ears. Felt fire, felt brimstone, both waiting patiently for my next command. I took it all in, locked in pose, before looking down from my lofty garbage perch and noticing that my arms, legs, and torso were covered in what appeared to be cold spaghetti and marinara sauce. Green and brown bits of wilted iceberg speckled the deep red tomato undercoat. Instinct brought my tongue sweeping across my lips, tasting the sweet and familiar ragu that covered every square inch of my body. It appeared that I had clawed through a bag of pasta dinner table scrappings. I wiped away the cold chunks from my face, and with my hands placed shoulder-width apart across the ledge of the toter, I leaned forward to peer down at the garbage man in full view. He was face down in the road, one arm stretched out toward the bottom of the toter while the other was folded underneath his pronounced bust. He wasn't breathing, this much I knew, for no breath met the cold air and disappearing whips. I said his name under my breath. Jerry? No answer. I decided to try again. The strength I had felt moments ago surging through my shoulders and chest had detached and retreated to its home in the pit of my stomach. I leaned forward in hopes that my sheepish voice would cut through, but in doing so, the receptacle tipped, heaping the spoils of the spaghetti and meatball marinara, myself and the toter atop Jerry. When he didn't make a sound, I knew Jerry was dead. After that, I was no longer thought of as Taylor the Coward, Taylor the Milksop. I was Taylor the Spaghetti Monster, Destroyer of Worlds, Killer of Beasts. (laughs) Thought I'd get that off my chest. We got a lot to unpack there and if Sandy was we've talked about this thought desk and how it doesn't really we've never gotten it right as a segment um and it kind of comes out of left field you often make other people read it even though it's not their thoughts it's it's very out of context and i mean this one lasted a very long time yeah a very long time and it it turned out that it was about was essentially about you killing your garbage man. Yeah. I wanted to write something from the heart this time, Doug Jordan, and I wanted to feel the feelings I had. As I started to write about this story, I felt it all over again. The triumph. The victory. And the cold realization that I had killed a man I think he was talking yeah. to you Doug yeah, yeah I, I was just I thought maybe he was going to say I killed a man in, in cold blood or something I thought that maybe he was going to end the, the sentence but well, yeah, it was you, spaghetti sauce like Doug Jordan you weren't listening it's spaghetti sauce I didn't kill him in cold blood it, the bread was spaghetti sauce yeah right yeah you killed him in spaghetti sauce yeah is that all you have to say about about that, Doug. I mean, he took up several, several minutes of airtime to confess what? to a murder. I mean, did you tell anybody? Never got caught, neither. 
Okay, that well, that answers that. You know, I have I have a couple questions about the story itself. If this is real uh, life, why? So first of all, why were you looking for in people's mailboxes to for steal packages? packages? Well, just so then, why'd you start looking in the garbage? Because the the mail hadn't arrived yet, so I was looking for prizes in the garbage. Okay, that clarifies that a little bit. Yeah, was, we've all done that. Sometimes people I mean, throw away very nice things. Yeah. And how old were you? Like six? What'd you say? Oh, eight, eight years old. Okay. Eight years old. I got these pants in the garbage. The ones I'm wearing right now. I mean, weren't you cold the whole, this whole time? Something about when you're a child, you don't get as cold as you do when you're an adult. You know, again, I, I just think Doug is focusing on the wrong things here. We have told you three or four times now that this thought desk was not really working out in this show. And you more than doubled down in this one. You like quadrupled down because the, the, the content, the, the length, the drama of it. Yeah. I mean, it, are these thoughts that go through your head just constantly? Yeah. And actually it making me feel a little bit better because I, like I mentioned at the top of the hour, I was having a, lapse in these great ideas. My head is usually filled with ideas. And earlier in the week and today even, I felt as though my ideas had been stolen from me. And I was suddenly idealist. And now reading this to Uyghurs and Tweakers, it gives me the hope that Sandy needs to pull himself out of the cold, dark closet. Pull his pants back up. Take the rope off from around his neck and start working on that big surprise for Christmas that's going to make everything all better. Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers, we've got a great freaking show for you, full of freaking our week's news and discussions. If you want to call and join the conversation, call 513-914-6201. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. You might get put on blast, but you also might get a prize or two. Without further freaking ado, our week's news and discussions starts freaking now. Last week, Drew Barrymore made headlines after revealing she has, quote, tried everything in the bedroom, according to Entertainment Tonight. During an episode of Barrymore's podcast, Drew's News, the 47-year-old mother of two opened up about her sex life during a conversation about the Netflix show, How to Build a Sex Room. Quote, I'm a dirty bird, but just in the corners of my mind where I will never tell, and it's just for me. I can understand certain kinky things. Listen, I've tried everything. I've done everything. That's why I'm so boring, Barry Morris said. The former E.T. actress went on to say that she has not been in an intimate relationship since the split with ex-husband Will Copelman in 2016. Barrymore later circled back to the sex conversation, adding, I don't know if I was into it or not. I just wanted to try everything. So, this is very freaking interesting, and it leads us to a bunch of very, very interesting questions. And I don't really know where to start. First of all, I didn't know she played E.T. until I freaking read this. Mm -hmm. And then Netflix's show How to Build a Sex Room. What is that? Well, I think it's a and show. What does she mean by everything? Tell me about the show. I think it's a show about how to build a sex room. Isn't that just any room that people are having sex in? Yeah, but I think this one caters more to um, sexual deviancies. What do you mean? 
you know, like uh, fetishes and things like that. Can you elaborate? Um, like somebody dressing up like ET or something. And then doing what? You having uh, sexual intercourse. How would they begin? What would be the first thing they do? Um, the, well, the first thing that you have to do is get consent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then what? And then, and then from there, usually there's, you know, um, a contract that's signed by each party. Maybe a little and foreplay. Then, Can you describe what that would in look like for maybe yeah. E.T. and some other sort of masked monster? Yeah, maybe somebody puts a uh, trail of uh, Reese's Pieces on the ground. I could imagine E.T. with a freaking candle in his rear end, freaking melting from the top, you know, getting off on the heat. Yeah. She's tried everything. Doug Jordan, what are some things... Sexually, some kinky little things, kinky, dirty little things you've tried. Tadia Risher, of course, we know the vast depth yeah. of this answer in regards to Tadia. But yeah. in terms of Doug Jordan, you're kind of a blank slate, an enigma. I don't want to talk about this. I mean, I feel like I feel like you should give this to Tadia Richards since he's so open about talking about his sexual act. Well, no, because I'm actually I'm a little offended about this story because I actually have tried everything there's things that i know drew barrymore has not tried because if she did she wouldn't be talking about it on the freaking radio or entertainment tonight or whatever she's talking about so i think she's talking she's blown a lot of smoke up people's rear freaking ends which is something that i've done in the bedroom um and i doubt that she's done that so um shame on you drew barrymore doug what are what are some of the kinky things that maybe she has done um, you know, that maybe, maybe Weegers and Tweegers should give it a try. Yeah. What are the sort of the milk toast kinky things maybe that you get into? Maybe yeah. like kissing or nuzzling. Yeah. But again, I don't really want to talk about this on the radio, but you know, yeah. Those I are thought both. you said, I thought you said you were horny though. Yeah. I wasn't even asked if I was horny today. Yeah. It's been a hell of a episode. It's been a hell yeah. of a week. And, I'm sorry. I apologize, Doug Jordan, for not asking you how you are. Obviously, I wish we could get to that. I just thought there were more pressing things like how kinky you are in the bedroom and what does that look like for people who are on the other end of a receiver listening to this radio show. And you are dodging that question at every turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't like to talk about those things on the. I already gave you a good answer about somebody dressing up like ET and putting Reese's pieces on the That's ground. A good point. Yeah, but good you point. never told us where the Reese's pieces go. Where does the trail lead to? In the movie, I think it leads to a closet. Oh, you're talking about ET this whole time. You know somebody what? Dressing up like ET. This this is the second time. Doug Jordan for Weegers and Tweakers. He does this. After our Thanksgiving dinner, he just likes to switch everything. We think we're talking about real life and getting down to something important. And then he just turns it into a movie. At Thanksgiving dinner, he's after we finished, he was like, oh, maybe Thanksgiving dinner is coming to a close, but Hanksgiving dinner is just about to start. And he had pulled out all these DVDs of Tom Hanks movies, Forrest yeah. Gump and Castaway and... Polar Express. Yeah, he had two copies of the Terminal. Yeah. Big. Yeah, nobody wanted to watch Big. 
Big's a Bl- great movie. It's an underrated film. A League of Their Own, you you kept trying to get us to watch A League of Their Own. It's not even the lead in that movie. That Thing You Do is pretty good, too. He wrote and directed it. Yeah, that's true. Philadelphia was the only one I was I was ready to watch, but you didn't. Yeah, that's a good one. Too I like sad. when he shows his lesions. Last week, a Texas homeowner said, quote, hooker ghosts have taken over her rental property, according to Fox News. Linda Hill, owner of Hill House Manor in Gainesville, Texas, claimed the uninvited ghosts were trying to, quote, stir up business, according to Hill. Hill, who did not disclose a predilection for mental illness, was reportedly taking a shower when she heard someone say, looking good. Quote, I thought it was my husband. I mean, he and I were the only ones in the house, she said. Quickly, Hill realized that the voice belonged to a ghost. Quote, we've got kids. We've got old people, old guys. We've got hookers. Hill stated in regards to the ghosts that inhabit her manor. According to Hill, the most common type of ghost that comes around are hookers, Hill claimed. Male renters, she said, have told her that they felt somebody stroking their face, stroking their arm, or touching their shoulder. So, geez louise down to my knees. Now, I know a thing or two about hookers. Mm-hmm. And generally, and I don't want it to get too graphic, Doug Jordan. If they're stroking, it's not going to be your face, arm, or shoulder, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So this could be anybody. This could be Doug Jordan when he dies. Trying to start some foreplay by stroking someone's arm. Freaking leaving a trail of Reese's Pieces into someone's rear freaking head. I don't think I would do either, either of those things as a ghost. I think I'd probably just, you know, hide into a closet and just pop out when somebody least expects it. Let me ask, pose a question to the panel. Sure. And that's hilarious. Now, if you sensed an unearthly being, a ghost, if you will, an aberration in your vicinity, and you're in bed and maybe you're playing with yourself and then you sense it, would you make efforts to call the ghost in, invite the ghost to join in the action? Or would the possible consequences... And maybe elaborate on what those are, if you feel this way, deter you from offering up an invitation, an olive loaf, if you will. Doug? I, well, um, yeah, I'm thinking about this one, and I don't know if I would have sex with a ghost. Uh, I'd be afraid of, you know, the repercussions, which would be maybe getting cursed or maybe getting some sort of a spiritual or ghostly um sexually transmitted disease or perhaps making the ghost become pregnant and then having a ghost child. And I'm not interested in maybe having, you know, half ghost, half human. I don't know what even that would freaking look like. So I don't think I would have sex with a ghost. But it'd be easy to take care of that ghost child. Can't kill it. Yeah. Well, how would you kill it? That's what we said. You can't kill it. You don't have to feed it. Costs almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when it grows up? We move what away. I don't like? know. You move. You get out of there. Yeah. Well, what else happens? Well, then the ghost. Maybe the ghost will follow you. The ghosts are usually stuck in the home. Yeah. I don't think. I think I would invite the ghost in, but I wouldn't have sex with them just because I like to kind of be watched. So 
Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. I wonder if it helped with the cleanup. Last yeah. week, Jay Leno was discharged from a hospital nine days after suffering from severe burns from a gasoline fire, according to People. The 72-year-old former Tonight Show host left Grossman Burns Center in Los Angeles after he was seriously burned in a garage gasoline fire. Center staff shared an image of the smiling comedian alongside several of his caretakers. Leno will receive follow-up care at the Grossman outpatient burn clinic for the burns to his face, chest, and hands that he received during the fire at his home garage. According to reports, Leno underwent treatment involving surgical excision and grafting procedure, which removes unhealthy tissue in an effort to promote wound healing and reduce the risk of infection. His physician, Dr. Peter Grossman, said that with Leno's burns, quote, much of the thickness of the skin was injured in some areas, so unhealthy tissue was being removed. Grossman stated, quote, I am pleased with Jay's progress, and I am optimistic that he will make a full recovery. So, geez Louise down on my knees. There's a lot to this one, too, and mm-hmm. I don't want to miss anything at all. First of all, Mr. Grossman, Peter Grossman, owner of Grossman Burn Center, also owner of another location known as the Grossman Outpatient Burn Clinic. He has the center and the clinic. This guy's got the whole freaking burn clinic center cornered in Los Angeles. This is your premier doctor. Now, he said much of the thickness of the skin was injured. Now... When I think thickness, and I think Jay Leno, I think of one specific part of his body in particular, and it's not as dangly Johnson, Doug Jordan. I can see you thinking it. Mm-hmm. Though I'm glad that your mind went there. It shows that you're working harder to be engaged in part of the radio show. The thickness that I am thinking of is this massive chin he carries on him. Yeah. Now, another thing that I know, that during skin grafts, they often take healthy tissue from the buttocks because the buttocks has excess tissue. Now, Jay Leno, though he has a large chin, he never had what one would refer to as a true butt chin. But now that he will have excess skin taken off his rear end and placed on his chin... Is there anything that will stop Jay Leno now? He will have the largest butt chin in the history of the world. Honestly, I don't I don't think that there would be anything that would stop him now. I think that you know, I agree with you. I think you would have the largest butt chin in the history of the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I couldn't help it. I went back and looked up pictures um, thinking, well, if they got rid of his friggin' excess skin, that can only mean his friggin' chin. Um, but no, you're you're friggin' right, because they they definitely took it probably from his friggin' buttocks because his chin is looking more bulbous and, and voluptuous than ever, yeah. like a like a rear end. Yep. Yep. Burned though it is. I know. And I worry that out in public as he is 
he might attract the wrong attention. Mm-hmm. Especially with the sexual deviancies that we're seeing. And the sick fetishes and kinks that Doug Jordan has hidden, locked away in the deep recesses of his brain. I wonder if people are going to become sexually attracted to Jay Leno's chin. Mm-hmm. And if he may be accosted, as so many comedians these days are being accosted mm-hmm. at live shows. Maybe he'll be bum-rushed on stage. Chin bum-rushed. I don't know. It's food for thought. Obviously, hearts go out to freaking Jay Leno. God bless you and your garage and all you've done for the great automobile of America. Yeah. Last week, Mexican restaurant Giant Taco Bell began testing their new grilled cheese nacho fries in Sacramento, according to Chewboom.com. Similar to the restaurant's grilled cheese burrito, the new grilled cheese nacho fries offer a heaping portion of fries topped with grilled marinated steak, warm nacho cheese sauce, and a drizzle of creamy chipotle sauce. The dish is finished with a blend of mozzarella, cheddar, and pepper jack cheeses, and the fries are then grilled to make the cheese on top, melty and golden brown. Want to add a little kick? The new grilled cheese nacho fries can be spiced up with the addition of jalapenos. Grilled cheese nacho fries can be found at participating test locations in Sacramento for a limited time for a suggested price of $3.99 with steak or $3.49 with seasoned beef. Doug Jordan, take it to the sports desk. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Doug, and this is the Sports Desk on today's episode of the the uh, Our Weekend Review. Um, Taco Bell has done it again. They have created something that I've never heard of in my life, and I'm going to have to try it with the grilled cheese nacho fries. So it's just fries, and then they top it with all the sauce, and then they put in all the you know fixings, and then they seems like they just put more cheese on top of it, and then they put it in the oven. So, and then you eat them like nachos, and you can get it with steak with for three ninety nine, or with seasoned beef for three forty nine. What about beans? Anybody know about beans? Can you get with beans on top there? How the hell would I know that? Yeah, I know you wrote you wrote the copy. I'm assuming maybe there was maybe a I mean, other I, thing about it. Yeah, I just changed a few words around. It's basically verbatim from freaking chewboom.com. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, maybe they left out the beans because I feel like you should really have beans on nachos. That's just my opinion. Let me ask you a question, Doug Jordan. As someone who works with beans and in Mexican food and barbecue and French fries, how are you going to scoop a bean with a French fry? Get a fork. And it's kind of like poutine at that point. Mm. Or a spork. You ever think about doing a pasta poutine? Like with spaghetti with gravy on top of it and cheese curds? Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about it, but I would give it a shot. Probably pretty good. Yeah. Doug, would you ever consider bringing Baja Blast to the Ortego Grill? Um, if I could, I would. I think it's a Taco Bell exclusive. How do you go about looking into that? I think I would probably have to call 
Pepsi and say, hey, can I bring this to my store? What about Wright Wisner? They do what? RC Cola? Yeah. Snapple? Yeah. They have to have a version of Baja Blast. Well, I don't know. I mean, Baja Blast was specifically engineered to go with the food at Taco Bell. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if Wright Wisner is specifically engineering any of their sodas to go with any food at any fast food Don't locations. you think that the freaking fries would get soft if you put them on the grill? Well, maybe just while well, the bottom would probably get crispy if you're putting them on a, a like a flat top. And then the top would probably get soft. It's going to get soft anyways from the, the cheese sauce and the drizzle of creamy chipotle sauce. So we can't expect crunchy fries. Yeah, I don't think you can expect. Honestly, the Taco Bell fries are never really crunchy anyways. They're always kind of soft. In my experience. Hmm. Hmm. So I'll, I'll try this. Maybe I'll try it on the radio. I mean, it'd be hilarious. Oh, but get, I can't. Get kicked off, though. Yeah. Get canceled again. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, good job. It was a little bit long, to be honest with yeah. you, for this board yeah, test, but it was... Yeah, it was way more than 60 seconds, and that's typically what we like to keep it yeah. to, so... We don't want any of these segments to get too long, Doug Jordan. No. Oh, I mean, it was, you know, we had a lot of questions, and I well, feel like... No, we don't have a, a ton of your... time for these vanity segments, mm-hmm. so if you just want to... Wrap it up real quick. Okay. I'm going to... Taco Bell, I'll give it... Weakers, tweakers, thrill freaking seekers. It's been another great freaking hilarious freaking episode of freaking Our Week in Review. We love you so very freaking much. We're so freaking hot and hot for you. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you freaking next week. Well, geez louise. I really feel like... We got five more years on this radio station and then we're taking our freaking show on the road somewhere else. They can kiss our sweet asses goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell her to them the, right to their face. What? Only five? I feel like it might be longer than that. Well, I could see maybe having to extend it if something came up. Yeah. Scheduling what? conflict or... When is our contract up? Well... We're sort of on a month-to-month basis, especially now. We're basically on a freaking week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. So. I, you know what? I don't think I give us five years if we're going to admit to killing people every other episode. Good point. I hope Sandy's okay. Yeah. Yeah. of our week studios W-A-Y-O-L-P Rochester